pleasure it is to see you two cats. Feel like I need to put my cowboy hat on. I brightened up my day. <laughs> it was already going pretty good. Now it's better. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. I really, really just love you two. You are just awesome people, and I'm so glad we're in one another's lives. It makes me really happy. That's good to hear, right? People, you guys are good, good people. I tell, I tell myself that every morning. Good, <laughs> man. Speaking in existence, huh? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Seems like a reasonable thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for joining us today at the exhibit where we have extraordinary conversations with extraordinary people. I'm, I'm happily, I'm joined with uh, uh, Jason Stover, my co-host. Unfortunately, Deontay Johnson is unable to make it. She's a little under the weather. We're joined by Rick Braden, uh, teacher, mentor, psychologist, CEO, cool cat. Have man, happy to have you. Exactly, exactly. Welcome, Rick. Thank you for joining us. I feel welcome. I'm in the company of two people I care about very deeply, and I'm. There's no place else I want to be right now. This is where it's at. This is where we are because it's always right now. And the present moment is the only place that life can be found. It's always right now. So how, Rick, how long have we known one another? The relationship with SSA, I think this is going into year eight. So probably a couple years after that, we, yeah. we uh, and I think I, I met Jason first, probably, and then and then I think you. So it's probably like five, six years, maybe. Yeah, I want I want to say Rick started working with us, so we met around 2015, 2016. Yeah, so pretty early, pretty early. Yeah, I want like the way that I remember the precursor to to Rick Braden. So we so we have this partner. We're working with this cat named Rick Braden, and he's a psychologist, and he kind of does this. Uh, he works with companies, organizations, and I was I was in the wind as soon as they said psychologist. I said, "No way, mm -mm, you're not getting me in that grand bag." I feel and like, probably I feel, this, I feel the same way. <laughs> I don't like being introduced like that because it's like, okay, let's just put up a lot of resistance immediately. Let's yeah. not talk about Rick Braden as a man with problems, with issues, that fights with his wife, that does stupid stuff with his children sometimes, that gets angry, that's you know insecure. No, let's don't start that way. Let's say he's this thing so that make sure you don't see him as a human. Mm. <laughs> well, well, that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> real quick. That went deep. Really? <laughs> that wouldn't be your script. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't in my script, but it's true, right? Like all those barriers went up and I was like, man, I was like, I didn't even, I'm like, I'm not even taking the time to get to know this cat. I'm like, I'm just going to dodge it. I'm just going to dodge him. I'm going to dodge him. That seems like a smart thing to do. Who wants to, who wants to see psychologists and take tests? I mean, who really wants to do that? You do that when you just are kind of at your wits end, right? And you do that often because you have to. But is that like you wake up and you're just like, yeah, I, I'm going to take some tests today and I'm going to talk to a psychologist and get all wrecked. No, you get up, you're like, man, I'd like to go fishing or I'd like to go out to lunch with my girl or whatever, right? <laughs> That's a natural reaction, Tony. And now, and now, five years later, 
like getting to know you, like you introduce yourself, like as a person, I'm better in my, in people from, from things, from some of our conversations are better, right? Like, I like this experience has made, has made an impact. So it's kind of come full circle. Once you just realize that we're all human beings and we all want the same things. What do I mean by that? Everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to have joy in their life. Everybody wants to avoid pain and suffering. It doesn't matter if you're a young man, an older woman, a man of color, a white man uh, in Asia, a person in the Himalayas or in Germany. We all at our core want the same things. We want to be happy. We want to be included. We want to belong. We want to find joy. We want healthy relationships. But I'm always interested in the things we have in common, the things that we share that matter. And I'm not as interested except for learning purposes and our differences. I love to learn about our differences. But when I see people, I see them as deeply human, as, as doing their best to get along in life, playing the cards they were dealt the best way they know how to play them. That's what everybody's doing. And some folks have ways of doing that that are healthy and, and help them on the path of joy. And, and others of us, we have these patterns and these behaviors and these mindsets that lead us to more suffering and pain. But that's mm -hmm. not what we want. We just don't know better ways. To kind of be at peace and have joy, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That extends to all of life. That extends to the dogs and the cats and the lions and the tigers and the bears. Oh, my. The water, <laughs> the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, everything wants to flow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you see the, the baby, the small child, and let's say they're a child of very loving parents. They're when they sleep, their whole body breathes. They don't have these blockages. And when they have a need, they feel these strong emotions, maybe hunger or cold or whatever. The emotions can be very strong, like a real strong storm. And as soon as the mother, the father, the brother, the sister take care of that need, it's like it never even happened. And the child goes right back into a flow state. And the child is always present with whatever they're doing. They're not worried about the future. They're not worried about the past. They're not worried about how much money they have or don't have. They're, they're just not. They're, they're really present. That's why I think children are such great teachers. And then what happens in life is we take on this pain, right? Things happen to us. We see things. We do things. People hurt us, and then we hurt other people. There's no exceptions to this. All of us have done mean stuff to other people, and often we do the meanest stuff to the people we love. I have done that. I've done that many, many times. I still can't believe how often I still do it. i just like, what is wrong with you, dude? Now I'm beating my own ass up. What's wrong with you, dude? You dumbass, whatever. That's not helpful. So then all this stuff starts to build up us inside us. You know, we get closed mm -hmm. off, we get tied and we get contracted, but that's not where we started. That's not where we started. So most of my work, Tony and Jason, is what are the blockages that are keeping us from just flowing? And just like a river, if a log falls in that stream, like a high mountain stream, some of those beautiful streams in Denver, 
then below that, where the log fell, there's going to be deficiency. And the whole ecosystem below it is going to suffer. The fish are going to suffer. The insects are going to suffer. The plants are going to suffer. If there's farmers dependent on that, then the people are going to suffer too. And above it, there's always excess and there's often disease because the water can't circulate. And we're part of a natural system. We're all part of a natural system and we start off flowing. And then all these things happen. We get these beliefs that aren't true. We have hurts that are unhealed. We have resentments. We have whatever, right? All of us. And then, and then it robs us of, of joy. But that, we all want the same things. All of life wants the same thing. We're all created in the same way. We're all meant to flow. We come into the earth knowing how to do it. And then we progressively forget because we're so blocked up. <laughs> it's really simple, actually. You, you said one thing that just resonates with me. And we've talked about it before. Hurt people hurt people. And it's, it seems, it's, it's such a weird concept, but it's so true, right? It's like I, I think about the times that I've done things that uh, I'm not happy about. And it was times when I was just hurt and I didn't know how to heal myself. And I, and I acted in a way to almost inflict maybe the pain that I was feeling, but not, not consciously. Like I didn't intentionally do it, but I was just feeling, I was in such a bad place to where um, that was the only way that I could release that frustration, that hurt, that pain. Yeah. That's such a good point, Jason. And like, why do people get carried away in alcohol and drugs? You know, I had a very serious drinking problem for a long time. What's that about? Well, I knew if I just took a big glass of wild turkey and smoked that sucker down in about 10 seconds, I was going to feel better. And it was very reliable, right? Very reliable to change the way I was feeling. I want to feel better. So what am I really saying? I don't feel good and I need to feel better. That, that to me is the simplest understanding of addictive behavior there is. You, you don't get caught up in drugs and alcohol if you're feeling great, man. Is it, is it, I, don't, is it I want to feel better or I just want to feel different? I don't like my current state. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right, Jason. I think that's right. I think it's, I think it's, it's all of that. Yeah, I just want to feel different, but probably different is hopefully feel better. Better. Yeah, yeah. That's the reason for so much bad behavior, so much just bad behavior. That's the wrong word. Destructive behavior, behavior that hurts you, hurts me. Destructive behavior it does not. People don't hurt other people who are happy and feeling good and flowing. When you're into your best self, you're not doing that. Yeah. We're doing that to one another when we're, when hurt. we're hurt. That's it. Yeah. That's it, Tony. Hurt. I think you, I think you coined a new phrase for me: being the baby. Like I just want to get back to for, to the point of being the baby. I just want to flow. <laughs> You are far past that. Man, <laughs> man, man, man. Hey, when if I if I show up and say, "Man, I'm just I'm just trying to get to a point of being a baby," I mean that's just a, that's just total bliss. That is total bliss. Mm -hmm. And I love the way you said it. You, what you really just said was, "I want to be in total bliss." Yeah. Well, so do I. <laughs> I want you to be in total bliss too, Tony. And I want yeah. Nick to be in total bliss. And I want the yeah. president of the United States to be in bliss. And I want the president of Russia to be in bliss. Because if they're in bliss, they don't want to hurt other people. Yeah. Yeah. Rick, is that possible? I think so. I think so because it's natural. 
And that's part of the natural design. And we're part of an ecosystem. We're part of nature. And the design is to be in flow. So if you go into wild nature, you know, let's let's take bears. I've had the joy of observing a lot of bear behavior, mostly in the southern Rockies. I don't haven't spent a lot of time with grizzlies, uh, but with black bear. And I watch a typical day of the bear. So the bear kind of wakes up when they want to, it seems to me. There's certainly not an alarm. <laughs> and then it's usually because the sun's hitting them just right. And they're like the baby. They're like this, you know. I know I'm an apex predator and I got no wings. <laughs> Everything's afraid of me. I'm not afraid of nothing, man. And then they get up and they tend to, if they've got a family, they tend to do a little wrestling and roughhousing. <laughs> They kind of limber up a little bit, and then almost always they go over and find the sun again and warm up. And then in the middle of the day, you know, they're walking around, they're finding berries, they're looking for honey, they're kind of, and they're messing with each other the whole time. And then when it gets hot, they go swimming. And they go swimming, and then right back to the sun, afternoon nap when it's hot. Which, by the way, a lot of the Southern cultures do that, right? The siesta. It's the sun is hot. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to work when the sun is super hot. It actually doesn't. Right. What should you do if you're not working? You should relax. <laughs> so start the energy. Yeah, they relaxed, and then they look around for berries and stuff, and they roughhouse, and then they might take another swim, and this is pretty much the day of the bear. And the only times they have conflict, which could only be a few times in their whole life, mm -hmm. is like somebody encroaches on their space, some other bear, some kind of thing. But that actually happens so rarely. I bet it's like less than 1% of their whole life is engaged in some conflict. Right. And then right. it happens, and it's fast. It's If you've ever seen it, it's fast, and there's a decision. <laughs> We're not going through multiple committees. <laughs> We're not in the conflict resolution <laughs> class. It's going to happen right now. We're going to decide it right now. Fight or flight. Yeah. If if someone doesn't have like a Rick Braden in their life to help them unearth them, how do how do you how do you move past it? How do you resolve it? How do you identify it? Well, you always follow the trail of suffering. Mm. Where is the pain? Where is the pain? If you don't admit to yourself or others that you're struggling, then it's very difficult, right? It's very difficult. And so I believe all of this happens in community. That's how it's meant to happen. And that community can be one other person like you and Jason are boys, you've been good friends for a long time. And I'm pretty sure when you've had struggles in your life, you talk to each other about it because you trust each other. And because you trust each other, you try to help each other, right? Yeah. So that's where it starts. It starts recognizing, recognizing that I'm not okay. Yeah. And nobody's okay. <laughs> That's so right. important. We might think, oh, I'm so screwed up or whatever. Well, so is that guy and so is that gal. They may be hiding it better than you, <laughs> but they right. got their stuff. Life life delivers plenty, right? 
Like I think of the original trauma. I call the original trauma birth. <laughs> this, this was something I observed watching four children be born. Well, everybody talks about how beautiful and fantastic that is. I don't know what they're watching, okay? I'm watching my wife screaming. <clears throat> I'm a nervous wreck. I am a nervous wreck. Back in the day, you know, I'd be having my flask and powering down some wild turkey, of course, to manage my own anxiety because I'm freaking out. Bright lights, crazy stuff. <clears throat> Weird smells, body fluids, crazy stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man, this is the truth of how it is. You're getting ready to have your first child. I'm sorry, but I'm actually preparing you. So this is how it is. And then like the head emerges out of the vagina. That's what happens. And that looks like a scene out of Alien. I think that's where all science fiction came from, possibly. And now, boom, baby comes flying out, blood, urine, pus, all this gnarly stuff. So just imagine right now the sky opens, you're covered in excrement, and you're naked. Okay? That would be fairly traumatic. If right now that happened to the three of us, fucking <laughs> traumatic, okay? So now that's happened, and guess what? Simultaneously there's a realization. What is the realization? I can't breathe. <laughs> I can't breathe. Now that's pretty freaky. If you've ever, like Jason, you know, it's had difficulties with water and some negative experiences with water, you ever almost drown, you know how hairy that is to not be able to breathe. That's one of the scariest, terrifying experiences in the whole world for sure. Okay, so what's our resolution for that? Smack the baby. <laughs> now I'm being physically struck. I'm covered in shit. I can't breathe. My mom is screaming. My dad is a nervous wreck. And by the way, it looks like my dad's drunk. Wham! <laughs> Do we really need extra trauma in life? <laughs> Isn't that like a really strong start in trauma? And now you're trying to figure it out. How do I survive? How do I survive? How do I make sense of this world, right? And then we go about the business of survival. And the reality is if there haven't been people starting with the earth as a being, the earth is alive and everything you've ever put in your body that nurtured you, that gave you energy, every bit of it came from the earth, which in all indigenous cultures is represented by the feminine mother earth, all of them. So everything you've ever put in your body that was good for you came from the earth. So there's already this dependency. If that didn't happen, if the earth wasn't producing stuff for us every single day, there's no life. That is the source, right? And then there are caretakers all along the way. Even if you grew up in the most dysfunctional, hurting people, you know, abandoned, just all the heavy stuff, right? There have been people every single day that were doing stuff to support your journey that have gotten you to here. No matter how rough it was, if you're here today, there's been lots of people providing loving attention to you to get you here today. You may think you're alone and you did that yourself. You didn't. That baby cannot do that. That five-year-old cannot do that. Right. Somebody has to hook him up. Yeah. That 45-year-old that can't do it. Yeah, so that goes back to your community. It's like, yes. Yeah, but usually when you're hurt, you don't let people in. You're afraid of being vulnerable. You're afraid of being, being honest, right? And some cultures are more that way than others. Yeah. So, you, so you hit it right there. You hit it right there. And 
and we've talked about this before. So vulnerable moment, right? Uh, during COVID, I, COVID was probably one of the toughest times in my life. I remember, Jason. I remember you went through some really tough, dark places, man. Yeah. And so in, in that period of time, and Tony and I, we've talked about it a lot since then. But during that period of time, I hit it. From everybody, maybe except for you and a few other ones that knew that I was struggling. But I felt like there was so many people that were depending on me that I had to put on this shell that I'm strong and that I'm okay and I'm put together Meanwhile, man, I was in some dark places. And, and even with Tony, I didn't talk to him about it for a long time. And then there was this moment where, it, where I don't know. I don't know if he sensed it. I don't know if it just became extremely visible. But there was a moment where Tony was like, you're not okay right now. And we need to talk about it. And it's like, I think about that for myself. And I know that if I was going through it, there are so many other people who were going through it at the same time or going through it today that are putting on this shell that's okay. And that is such a dark, lonely place to be in. Um, I don't know. So, so as you're, you're saying that there's community out there for you, how do you, how do you encourage those people to go and seek that community to help them heal? Man, what a great question. And I'm glad you shared a little part of your story. So here's the thing, you know, once, once you've got all these blockages or hurts built up, there's a part of you that's like, I'm on my own and then nobody's going to help me. I got to figure this stuff out for myself, whether that's conscious or unconscious. That's what happens. Like my survival is up to me. Now, in reality, it never has been because without the earth supporting you, there's no you without the air coming into your lungs. There's no you without the water and this, all the, like we are interdependent beings. But when the hurt builds up, we're like, it's up to me, right? And if I show any kind of weakness, first of all, we call it weakness to show emotion, right? That's weakness. Well, who came up with that idea, right? The baby shows emotion. The bear shows emotion. It's no big deal. It's like no big deal. Anger, scared, frustrated. It's just whatever. It's just like parts of the storm, the lightning and the rain. It's just whatever. But for some reason, we decide, oh, that's weakness. That's bad. I have to be strong. And strong means I don't show this stuff. But here's the real thing that goes on. The reason we don't show that vulnerability is because if we've done it in the past, it got punished. Yeah. And something went really wrong. I trusted somebody and they put the dagger in me or whatever, right? And you don't, it's like touching the hot stove. How many times do you do that? You do that once. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, that is dangerous. And so the world becomes dangerous. And your world is dangerous now. And it takes a ton of courage to, to initiate that conversation with somebody. But it has to happen because we have to live in community and that could start with one other person. It certainly doesn't need to be a psychologist or whatever. It doesn't, you know, psychologists are a brand new thing. This title of psychologist has roughly been around like 70 years. Well, how long has humanity been around? Huh. Mm -hmm. It's a brand new experiment and psychologists do things in very unnatural ways. You come see this person for an hour, you go into this office, you're sitting there uncomfortable in a waiting room, 
You're wondering what's wrong with this guy? What's wrong with that person? That's not natural. All of humanity got to where we are today through community and through sharing and through having people you talk to and interact with. But when you're hurting, you think it's up to you, you're on your own, you feel isolated, all this stuff. And you certainly don't have to trust me, but I have been doing this a long time. And if you don't be honest with somebody and vulnerable with somebody, now hopefully you choose well. Somebody who's cool, somebody who's gentle, right? Somebody who's not in the business of screwing people over. Hopefully you choose right, which for hurting people is often not the case. You choose the wrong people to trust, right? You don't trust yourself. You don't trust the world. There's a lot of folks out there. You are two of them that are safe places. You are both familiar with pain. You're both familiar with suffering. You're familiar with it in many different ways, ways that are different than mine, but the same in some ways, right? But we did once we open up, once we have the courage, and trust me, it requires way more strength to talk to somebody about your vulnerability and being honest with them than to not do it. It takes way more courage to me. So in my mind, that's being strong opening your heart, trusting again after you've been hurt. That takes courage. And that's a good thing to do, you know? You keep doing it, right? Get down, get back up. Get down, get back up. You make it sound like you're exercising, and, and to be honest, that's what it felt like during a lot of our conversations, even with Tony. You talk about it enough, it's like exercising a muscle and it becomes easier to do and allows you to dig a little bit deeper, so. Yeah. You're so right, Jason. That's exactly how it is. It's just like anything else. It just requires practice. And at first, you're not going to be good at it. Just like if you're going to be a football player or something, you're going to play running back like you did. You may have some natural abilities at running back, but you're not going to be a really good running back unless you learn a lot of systems and you do a lot of training and you do plenty of squats and you do plenty of wind sprints and you have coaches talking to you about what you're doing right and what you need to improve on. You are not going to be a great running back unless you have all of that. You're speaking my love. You have to do some work if you're going to be a, <laughs> or a drummer or martial artists like yeah. well, there's a few things everybody needs to accept okay one is that pain and suffering are real it's in me and it's in the world that's just a fact we've been at war since the beginning of humanity i don't know if there's ever been a time that this world in some part of it went in war man you got to accept that there's pain and suffering it's period the other thing we have to accept is uncertainty things are always changing Nothing stays the same. I look at myself when I was a five-year boy, five-year-old boy. You can look back at yourself as a five-year-old young boy. Are you the same? Well, maybe in some ways, but in other ways, you're very different. People wouldn't even recognize you, right? So constant change, this uncertainty. The world is spinning at 600 miles an hour. It's held in space somehow. The sun is the exact perfect distance from the earth, and if it changed like two inches, we're either roasting or freezing. Like, you want to talk about some crazy uncertainty, man. We don't even know up from down. People in Australia are pretty sure they're thinking they're sitting upright or standing upright right now. <laughs> we don't even know the truth about shit. We don't even know up from down, man. <laughs> so the second thing is uncertainty. And then the third thing is hard work. Like I feel people yeah. benefit by accepting these three things as these are part of the conditions of being a, a being on this planet is there's going to be some level of pain. There just is going to be, hopefully there's going to be lots of joy too, but there's going to be some suffering. 
We're going to lose people we love. That's a fact. And eventually we're going to die. That's a fact. This uncertainty, everything's always changing. COVID really nailed us on uncertainty. Yeah. We didn't have, we had uncertainty in the most primitive primal areas that are most important to our whole lives. Okay, how about our health? I might die. Or for many of us, even worse, I may be with my mom and I might kill my mom because she's 80 years old. So now I get cut off from community with my mom. I'm not out there working with my coworkers that I've been doing every day, right? And my friends, I can't see them because we're at risk. Right. So, well, I'm going to die or people I love are going to die. That's often worse, right? So uncertainty around that was profound, profound, man. And then disconnected from our communities and social systems happened with COVID. You can't go outside. You can't, like, maybe you can go outside, but you can't get close to another person. You got to cover yourself up. They can't even see your face. You know, you don't touch anything. You know, bathe in, bathe in uh, Listerine or Lysol. Yeah. <laughs> Put chemicals all over you, for God's sakes. Make sure you do that. That's good for you. I'm sorry, dude. I'm ranting. But, okay, so this uncertainty. And then, okay, so you got it in health, big time. Yeah. Now you've got it socially. And now you got it financially. Your company went from thriving to stopped in one day. Yeah. Yeah. You went from the most, one of the two most thriving companies I've ever worked for, just growth straight up to nothing, nothing, not a penny coming through the door yeah. in one day. The government says zoos are done. Theme parks are done, aquariums are done, museums are done, we're shutting it all down. And then massive layoffs of your friends and family, yeah. thousands and thousands of people that you care about out of their jobs. You don't think that's some trauma, man? You yeah. are nuts. Yeah. That's hitting you at every single thing that matters the most, your health, your people, your money. You... You know what, Rick? Until you just called it out, I'm, I wonder how many people just overlooked COVID as really being traumatizing, right? It's like how many instances in each of our lives do you just overlook but are really like traumatizing you or impacting you or sending you in these places and you it doesn't it doesn't ping for you, right? Like, I mean. And it didn't surprise me at all that Jason was impacted so dramatically because Jason is a very sensitive, emotional person. So Jason, you feel things very deeply. So all of this hit you, you couldn't possibly understand all the ramifications of it, but it hit you in every single area that mattered to you. You are with the people in SSA every day. Part of your role is to travel to these different places and interact with the front lines, to be with the, the folks working the line and the people serving the food and the people preparing and the, the whole thing, right? The whole thing and boom, stop. Collapsed, collapsed, I didn't understand it. And, and to your point, and then all of a sudden we're making phone calls and we're delivering these bad, this bad news that they no longer have a job and you're still trying to support them, but you don't know how to support yourself, right? Yeah, uh, it was. That was that was a dark dark time for I think for a lot of people in the company certainly for our roundtable Sean McNicholas him and I talked a lot during that period of time and he's 
he's one of the most optimistic people that you'll ever meet, right? And there were some moments where you could look in his eyes and, it, and he was a little worried. Um, thankfully, we, we got an amazing leader in him and somehow we we made it out probably better than we were before we went into this thing. But yeah, I, I just remember that was a dark time. And, and so I'm having a lot of conversations with team members, with some of the players that I coach. And, and there's like this lingering effect of COVID because now there's this level of anxiety that I, I don't think I've ever seen before. And that No, dude, I feel it's a direct relationship to that because most folks don't realize that it affected them so deeply in these areas that matter the most, your health, your people, your wallet. So, so in this current day and age, considering what this trauma that we've all suffered in some form or fashion, right? We, we all experienced it in our own separate ways, but it's still there. How do, how do SSA leaders, well, I, I think that anybody in the company is a leader in some form or fashion. How do we help get us back to a healthier place? Or is this just a new norm? Well, I don't know how much anxiety rates have gone up in the last three years. Um, I haven't seen those statistics. I keep wondering, you know, because before COVID, uh, diagnosis of anxiety were about 18% of the adult population. So that's already one out of five people who have a diagnosis, which means you saw somebody and got a diagnosis. There's got to be twice as many people who didn't go see somebody and get a diagnosis, right? At least. And now... I rarely run into somebody who doesn't struggle, including me, man. My anxiety, I've had more problems with anxiety in the last couple of years than I can remember. You know, I'm actively trying to manage my own anxiety every day. Is that, so, is that when you just lean on, is that when you just redirect back to your community, right? Like, is that when you either lean in? It's like, I guess on, on both sides, right? As a leader, or, or caring about the people that I work with or like Jason caring about you when you see it or when you see something's off, it's like lean into like, Hey, what's going on? And, and having that conversation that that dosing of like, let's, let's see what's, let's chop it up. Let's, let's see what's shaking. Yeah. That's you remember, remember these things are blockages, right? If you start shaking things up, blockages get loosened up, Yeah, but they don't get yeah. loosened up if you don't move them. Yeah. So you started yeah. Yeah. With a little bit. Yeah. So over time, over time, ideally you start to develop routines mm. that are healthier. So for me going outside and just every morning, just closing my eyes and letting the sunshine warm my body. That's part of my routine. It's very good for me. I actually think it's probably good for most people to be outside and and then i have my i have meditation and i talk to people i've got a small group of people that love me and i love them and we talk about things that matter they care about what's going on in my life I, I, and i cultivate those relationships so often we overcomplicate these things like how what is really at the basis of a good relationship it's very simple you go into it with good intentions i want what's best for you Okay, if that's my attitude, very good start. Very good start. I want what's best with you, for you. And I'm going to spend time with you. And if I screw up, I'm going to admit it and I'm going to make amends. Rick, when I, 
when I sit and I talk to you, right? It just sounds so simple. But when you, <laughs> when you're going through it and you're in the middle of the conversation, you're like, how do we, and you tell me this, I'm like, how do you fix it? Or how do you fix that person? I mean, it was like, you can't, like, like, like tell me you can't fix anybody. Like you can't fix anybody. And I, and I kind of remember, remember that. And then the second thing I, I rem, what I, which hopefully I'll remember today is that everybody feels pain and everybody's struggling and the, and we, we, we have to get through it together. You know, Jason's a gardener. Jason, and I have talked about his hydroponics and all the cool stuff he does in his garden plots. Don't judge me, Tony. This is, this is therapeutic. <laughs> and so I don't know if I'm a, a religious person or not. A friend of mine described it really well. He said, I don't know if there's a God. I just know I'm scared of him. <laughs> I'm going to be a little more like that. But so let's let's talk about Jason the gardener and Jason's going to grow tomatoes. Jason can't make tomatoes. Just like your point, Tony, you can't change that other person. You can't fix them. You're trying your best to manage your own life, right? But what can Jason do? Well, he can put the seeds in the ground at the right time which probably I'm guessing in Denver is sometime after the 1st of May. Now it's you got March. Okay. It's not March. And then he can make sure that he's got a good soil mix. And then he can make sure that they've got the right levels of moisture. And he can, if things are weeds or whatever growing up that are going to strangle out that little plant, he can manage that. And then God, the universe, whatever you believe happens. And that's how the tomato goes. So the way I see my role is as a leader or even as a therapist is try to create the conditions for the plant to grow. Try to be warm and try to be open and try to come at it with a smile and a warm heart and, and let it develop. Every tree, every plant grows at different paces. I mm -hmm. can't say you grow right now. Yeah. yeah. Tomato, I want you fully mature at the middle of May. Oh, great. You can want that all day. It ain't happening. Okay. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You pay attention to that tomato. You spend time with it. You pay attention. You listen. You look. You see. You hear. And you make adjustments. That's how you get the tomato. And sometimes, no matter what you do, it gets wiped out. You know, you got the new puppy, like my situation. Bam! Jumps in there, wrecks the whole deal, start over. Right. right. I don't need to go beat the puppy. The puppy's being the puppy, but I'm pissed off. Why am I pissed off? That puppy's just being a puppy. He didn't do anything wrong. I'm pissed off because the way I want things got blocked. Yeah. That's why I'm pissed at the puppy. Now I'm going to go take out my anger on the puppy. The puppy didn't do anything. Right. Puppy saw some fresh ground, and what do puppies do? They dig in dirt. Right. He was being a I'm puppy. I'm the puppy for being a puppy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, it's in me. The anger's in me because I think yeah. that thing, that little rascal is blocking me 
That sucker's gotten in my way. That sucker yeah. screwed up my plan. Ricky, Ricky, you, you, you're, you're dropping gems today, right? I got a whole lot of gems. Hey, every day, every time you spend time with Rick, you gonna walk away from nothing. Man, I, I mean, I have some one liners I'm gonna use, but I know I'm gonna use when I, at, at, by the end of the day. But, but it's, it's even as a leader, like when I, in my head as I walk out of here, I was like, it's not my responsibility to change anyone. But it's it's my responsibility to try to be a good shepherd, right? To be a good facilitator, to provide the to provide the the ground or the earth to allow people to do their thing and grow. That's and when it messes up because people disappoint, you know what's gonna happen. You restart. Yeah, because suffering and pain are inevitable. You know what? But Rick always has he has some secret sauce, right? So we start talking about gardening. He has this pr proprietary uh, fertilizer that he's using. <laughs> I don't know if he can elaborate a little bit on that, but he, he's which always uh, fertilizer ain't illegal now in all states, which I'm talking about right now. Yeah, I'm not even using that fertilizer on occasion too, Brad. <laughs> don't confuse me with a professional, okay? <laughs> but um, that's such a funny story, Jason. So I was working with a a lady at the Oakland Zoo and she was really struggling and she grew up in the country that's another thing Jason likes is open spaces and country um, but anyway now she's in the middle of downtown Oakland very different than like rural Iowa right and she couldn't understand why she was just feeling so enclosed and trapped and and it was funny, she wasn't able to make that connection and she was a gardener. And now she's like on the 15th story of a building, right? And I encouraged her, like, do you have a balcony? Do you have something, you know, do you have, can you buy pots? I know a guy can teach you about hydroponics so you don't have to have anything, really, you know, there's ways of doing that stuff in your apartment, right? You can do this stuff, you can grow tomatoes. You can't, but you do the right stuff and God works with you, right? Got to take some action. <laughs> so we're talking about all this and, and uh, I forgot all about it, right? I go back to Oakland and this woman comes running at me and I'm like, oh yeah, okay. I know this woman, you know, I'd spend an hour with her in my whole life. And she's like, come here, you got to see this. I'm like, what? You know? So we go behind the administrative building at the Oakland Zoo and she's got... It's probably not quite as big as the office I'm in, but it's probably like seven by seven, a good sized garden. And like those leaves on her squash were like huge, man, like yeah. like five times the size of a basketball. Yeah. And her tomatoes were over my head, like yeah. over my head. I'm like, I am, this is like Jurassic Park, man. <laughs> like what in the world, man? Like you probably need to be a gardener. I've never even seen it, something like this. I was just overwhelmed. It was my little scrawny stuff that I was proud of. <laughs> Don't mean to diss my tomatoes. They're cool. They grew at their own pace, but I wasn't very skilled. So she's like, it's elephant poop. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah. I got a big old thing of elephant poop and planted them straight into it. Well, with most fertilizers, you can't do that. You know, that's going to, they're, they're too hot. They'll burn them, you know? So you have to mix it with other things, but not elephant dung, man. No way. 
And so I'm like, this is incredible. So I compete every year with my uncle on our gardens and he kicks my butt every single year until this, you know, until I got the secret weapon that Jason's talking about. So this woman sends me a whole pallet of it. My wife calls me and she's like, there's a pile of something. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because again, I forgot about it, you know? <laughs> Boom, it's my elephant. Super yeah. <laughs> plants on right. steroids, man. Right. Right. No, I'm having to alter my garden. I had a like a roof, not a roof, you know, but some cloth. I had to get bigger posts. My tomatoes were seven foot. I couldn't wait because I'm like, my Uncle Jay, right? Cajun dude from Louisiana, kind of the man on growing stuff. I'm like, yeah, Jay, you might come over and check out my garden this year. And, uh, yeah, I just want to see, you know, get your thoughts on my garden, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He came in. He was ready to be the man all puffed up, you know. Yeah. His face just went boom. <laughs> right. You do? All right. <laughs> I, never, I still haven't told him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought you guys were talking like metaphorically, right? Like because no, like, you know, Rick. Oh shit, grows great stuff. But maybe that's she the that part. From our shit grows flowers. If you don't have any shit, you don't have any flowers. Period. That's the whole lesson. Shit equals flowers. That gets you. Yeah. That's that's the the into vegetables. But you, but but Rick, I'm now imagining this lady, right, where she was, to versus like. Can you, how, how was she on that when you came back? He was delighted. And why was yeah. she delighted? Because she's doing stuff that matters to her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to get people to do stuff that matters to me unless I'm being controlling and forceful. And then that's usually, force is always met with force. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think that's a law of physics. But, um, she was doing something that gives her joy. She's connecting with the earth. She's growing these plants. She's got meaning and purpose in her life. Yeah. I'm always trying to find that with people. Like, what do you care about? What matters? Yeah. To what do you do that gives you joy? And are you doing it? Yeah. As life crowded in on you and you're not doing that stuff that matters to you. Like for you, Tony, you're not going to the gym. You're not rolling on the mat or, or Jason neglects his garden because he's so busy. Right. Usually we can find the, you know, we get so busy, we get so crowded, we don't have space, we stop doing the stuff that brings us joy, and then we wonder why we're so miserable, right? We're not connecting with our friends, we're not doing the garden, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And when I, when I, when I said metaphorically, because Rick, I think oftentimes when people get the opportunity to speak with you, they were like, man, he has that secret sauce, right? That secret sauce. But what you're saying is just caring and just leaning in and forming genuine relationships. Now that's part, like that's part of the sauce. And we all have that, right? We all have that capacity. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't come up with anything I'm talking about. Other people taught me this stuff. None of it's my ideas, right? I just thought, how does nature work? How there's a design to this thing. How do things work? How do things work? I've always been very curious of that. And I find that it's really like not that complicated, but we do complicate it like crazy, but it's really not. As we're kind of wrapping this up and going into 
going into May. And I think this is going to be a, a big message. Yeah, the message is no shit, no flowers. Exactly. Because we all got it. Because we all got it. That's your title. No shit, no flowers. Because yeah. we all got it, yeah. And it can be transformed, and it's absolutely necessary for the flowers. And all you have to do is tend, tend your garden, care about it, nurture it, lean into it. It's all the same stuff, right? Man. Because oh. we're all designed the same way. Mm. All of life is des designed in the same way. It's some interesting combination of earth, wind, fire, and water. <laughs>